Macworld Podcast Special Macworld Expo Edition for Wednesday, January 7th, 2009. Sponsored by Macworld Superguides, what you need to know. Welcome to Macworld Series, a special edition Macworld Expo podcast. I'm the regular host of the Macworld Podcast, Chris Breen. Throughout the week, we'll be posting a series of podcasts hosted by a variety of Macworld editors and contributors, featuring interviews with pundits, developers, and notable Mac users. And now to our podcast. Hi, I'm Jackie Dubb, Senior Reviews Editor at Macworld, and this is the Macworld Podcast, and we have three graphic arts experts here with us this afternoon, um, Jen, Kabili, Jen Kabili of um, Lynda.com and um, Lisa Snyder-King, who's just published a new book, and Jay Nelson of Design Tools. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves properly and tell everybody what you do. Hi, Jackie. I'm Jan Kabili. Nice to see you again. And I'm the senior trainer and evangelist at lynda.com, the premier online software training library. And I'm really excited to be here with my friends, Jay and Lisa, today, and you. Howdy! <laughs> my name is Lisa Snyder-King, and I'm the author of Photoshop C-Score, The Missing Manual, and the chief evangelist for iStockphoto.com. And I'm lucky enough to write reviews for Macworld, so thanks for inviting me. And, and I'm Jay Nelson. I'm the editor and publisher of Design Tools Monthly and the co-host of the Design to- the Creative Pro Design Tools Weekly podcast as well. It comes out every week. I'm excited to be here, too. Great. Thanks, Thanks you guys, for coming. Um, let's just plunge into it. Um, could you guys maybe just go around the horn and let me know what you think was the most interesting art and design programs and tools you've seen on the show floor so far? Jan. Well, I just saw something that I think is absolutely wonderful, and I wish I had a lot of money so I could buy it, and that is the Axiotron Modbook Pro, which is coming out in May or June of this year. So this is going to be based on the MacBook Pro, a 15-inch MacBook Pro, and it's going to have a touch screen in addition to the pen, which means that you no longer have to kind of program your pen to hold, you know, as a control key or a right-click or whatever you need to do. You'll be able, you'll be able to touch right on the screen to hold a modifier key and then use your other hand with the pen if you want. So that's, that's good for, like, using Photoshop, for example. That's great for designers, web designers, print designers, photographers, anybody who's doing anything graphic. I think this is really going to be helpful. And, you know, honestly, I mean, I've wanted a tablet forever, so this is a tablet. Great. I'm waiting for the one that comes with foot pedals. That'd be nice. (laughs) (laughs) And you can sing at the same time. Everything, yeah. (laughs) Along those same lines, I'm enamored with with that little pogo sketch. It's this little bitty pen with this little fuzzy foot on the bottom of it. And not only will it allow you to draw on your iPhone or your iPod Touch, but it'll also allow you to turn the track pad of your MacBook Pro into a graphics tablet, which is really neat for those of us who, you know, travel a lot and sometimes need to sketch up something really quickly, and, you know, we don't want to carry around a Wacom tablet with us. And as the the trackpads keep getting larger and larger, I just think that would be a a neat thing for it to morph into if our trackpads could, you know, become a graphics tablet. So we don't have to carry around that extra piece of equipment. But that's hideously expensive, though, isn't that little thing? It is. It's fourteen ninety five. Okay. <laughs> That's not as hideously expensive as the, the MacBook yeah, Pro. Yeah, fourteen ninety five. <laughs> yeah, I saw that too, and I got all excited because um, you can you can doodle on your iPhone or your iPod Touch, so you don't have to carry around. You know, if you don't need a napkin or a matchbook or even a little sketch pad, you know, whatever you can write in your pocket. Oh, I have an idea and jot mm-hmm. it down uh, visually. 
pretty amazing. Yeah, and it's it's so much easier sometimes when you're trying to describe an idea or get a point across to somebody. Just draw a picture of it. So little tools like that. I'm hoping to see more of that. Cool. Anything else? Do we get to go around more than once? Because I've yeah, got several things absolutely. that I thought were pretty cool. Absolutely. Please, feel free. Um, okay. Well, um, my concern these days is about the, uh, the number of uh, required bits of knowledge that designers are expected to have when they're looking for work or talking to clients who says, you know, you not only have to know typography and uh, image editing and on and on. Now you have and to flash. know. You have to know flash. You have to know web design. You have to know web coding. You have to know everything conceivable about all of this. And so I'm, I'm always looking for things that make it easier for people so that they can like, get their work done and not have to spend all their time learning, you know, because none of us can really afford to do that. So uh, there's a couple of things that I saw. Freeway, the web, um, the web design tool, mm-hmm. which um, to me, I think, for a lot of graphic designers, I think is going to be really, really interesting because unlike Dreamweaver, which I personally have quite a bit of trouble with, um, I just getting it, you know, understanding it, and even working with it because I think that CS4 is kind of broken. I'm having trouble, you know, like with text and things in it. So in any case, I'm excited to work with Freeway because it uses uh, an interface that's a lot like Quark Express or InDesign. Ooh, that you, would be good. You, yeah, you drag pictures out, and you, you know, basically you make it look the way you want to, and it handles the coding in the background for you, but apparently it does it quite in a professional fashion. They've been doing it for a lot of years, and they've got it nailed down. Jan, do you know more about Freeway? Or I, I know they have a new version yeah. out. Yeah, version 5 is out now. And I think it has an iPhone interface as well. That's the other thing, right. So you create, like, if you know, someone says, hey, I need you to create a web page or a website, and it needs to be useful on mobile devices as well as on, you know, the big machines, mm-hmm. um, it does it automatically. It converts, like let's say you've got a video in there that's in flash format, it'll convert the video into the format that you can actually play on your iPod and then sense, it'll create the website and then it, the website will sense what it is that's accessing it and give it, feed it the right information, the right file formats and stuff for what's looking at it. So to me, that's, that's exciting, you know, all over the place. Right. That sounds great. And, you know, I saw something like that that's an alternative for Illustrator because that's the program I have trouble with is Illustrator. Mm. And there's a program out there on the floor called EasyDraw. Did any of you see that? Back in the corner. It's been around for a while, and it's risen, it is nice. It's really good. It, it's I think it's got a new version out it's right now. It's very simple. It is. And it's professional. I mean, you really can do a lot with it, right? Talk about that yeah. a little bit, Jan. Well, it just seems like something that you can do intuitively. If you need an object, you can just drag it out. If you want to, uh, if you're drawing a line and you want to cut it, there's a really clear way to do that. You just click there with a little tool and it cuts. Mm-hmm. So I really liked it. I thought it was easy to use, even for those of us who don't usually do vector drawing. Right, right. Uh, it's hard to get cozy with the pen tool. Yes, I'm busy in curves. Right. Really oh, yeah. Your headache. <laughs> the evil pen tool. Speaking along those lines, there is another uh, piece of software out from Freeverse called Lineform. And they have a special on it right now for forty nine ninety five, so fifty bucks. Mm. You can get this piece of software. That's just amazing. It's a good alternative for Illustrator, but not only will it handle vector art, but it'll also handle bitmap images, as well. But it's it's very intuitive, and it has a lot of palettes. But you can put the palettes anywhere you want, so they don't crowd your screen. And it's just like you know, most vector drawing applications it has a selection arrow, the direct selection tool for editing the pass, and the Bezier pen tool. This is so easy and fun to work with and it's got a a library where you can store frequently used images Um, it takes advantage of of, um, the core image support um, has a lot of cool filters in it so it's almost like a I mean I think of it more as a vector program but you can run almost all the same filters that you can in Photoshop with it so 50 bucks is really a neat alternative we we showed that to our user group a few months ago and they just people jumped up 
the Colorado Macintosh user group, comug.com. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're all been there. That's funny. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, any, in any case, we had people jumping up and down, you know, like say, what's the URL? I got to go get that, you know, because it is, like you said, it's like one of those tools where if you think you need Illustrator and there's no way you're going to learn that thing, um, this is a great solution for you. I, so who makes them? Freeverse. Freeverse.com. Freeverse. So um, just going back to the the, uh, the raster programs for a minute, are, are there any, say, alternatives to Photoshop that you've seen out there? Oh, God. You know, the only alternative that I know of Photoshop is Photoshop Elements. And Elements is just becoming more powerful. In fact, when they released Element 6 for the Mac, I accused the, the engineers on, y'all just sneak over into the, the CS3, the CS4 offices and steal chunks of code at night, don't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can imagine them all dressed up in camo. But they keep taking so many amazing features out of you know Photoshop, now at CS4, and putting them into Elements, and it's just crazy. I mean, Elements well, is a completely viable Solution for isn't this the same engine actually? I think it is. It's like it's Photoshop with a bunch of stuff crippled. Yeah, right. You know, I'm actually not. It's I, not. I, there isn't very much that's crippled. Right. In fact, there are, as Lisa was suggesting, there are additional features and elements that you don't True. see in Photoshop. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. it looks to me like things they might be thinking of adding to Photoshop next time around. Yeah, yeah like the new photo merge group shot, where if you, you know, inevitably when you shoot a picture of a group of people, somebody's smiling in this one, somebody's eyes closed in this shot, and if only there were an easy way to combine all those images up to ten into the perfect image. And with elements, with the new guided edit mode, it actually walks you through the steps of creating that one perfect shot from up to ten shots. It's so, it's stupid simple. And it's just a joy to use. And elements was written for the normal person, so it's a lot less intimidating and foreboding <laughs> as Photoshop CS. And it sort of shows you ahead of time what you're going to get, too, which I like. You yeah, know, previews of filters and all that kind of stuff. Before and after preview and the quick edit mode. And... You know, it's seventy bucks versus seven hundred. <laughs> but I do wish they come out with a new version for the Mac because the Windows version is seven and the Mac version is six. Yeah. Well, you know, they've got such a small development team for that that they kind of focus oh. on one platform and then you know. Well, when focus you, on the when next you've got one. something as good as iPhoto on a Macintosh, and there's nothing on Windows, you're going to sell more on Windows. Yeah. You, you know, make a good point. Yeah, I think that's it. But, but I think I also have to make another point, which is for professional graphic artists who work with print, you know, it is an RGB program. Yes. So, which may or may not have any effect at all on your workflow, but if you're other people say, i got to give me a CMYK file, mm-hmm. then you got a problem there because it's all it's only RGB. But with so many digital presses now, I personally know, don't think it's a, it shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, I yeah. mean, the digital press actually handles the conversion from RGB space to CMYK, and you actually end up getting a little bit more truer results if you let the digital press do it. I'd like to segue, though, into iPhoto. Everybody saw the demo. What do you think of the new iPhoto? Faces, baby. All right. Faces, (laughs) places. Faces Faces and places. (laughs) Talk about that a little bit. What was your impression of the new improvements in iPhoto? I think it rocks. I love it. I was walking out of the keynote, and there was a woman next to me going, oh, I just spent three months organizing all my photos by who was who and put them in folders and all that. And I just had to laugh and say, well, you know, procrastination pays off sometimes. You know, For me it did because now these people are – I mean, these it's amazing, right? Your family's going to be all grouped together by who's in the picture. Well, it, it's true. You, you could spend a lot of time sorting through all mm-hmm. of your photos and, and marking them in some way according to who's in them, and then all of a sudden <laughs> they've done it for you. There it is. But that's cool because – most people won't do that. Oh, yeah. Totally gets rid of the chore of of keywording (laughs) to a large extent. You know, I used to be a creative at Apple, and so my job was to teach just regular people how to use these programs, and the one thing I couldn't ever get them to do was keyword because it's a big hassle. Oh, yeah. So the face feature takes care of that for you. It basically adds those names to the faces that it recognizes. 
But about the Gigo tagging, what do you think about that? It works. Personally, that's not something I'm that interested in, but I think that if you like to organize your photos by location, say you went on a trip to Europe and you know you want to know which photos are from each city, it really makes it easier to do that. I think for the travelers, it's really good. Yeah, and the paparazzi. Stalkers. People like that <laughs> know exactly where they took the pictures. Right, yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. Hey, you know. No, what I thought was interesting is uh, there is actually a built-in database, it looks like. So when you type in, like, Squaw Valley or something like that, it actually, it'll actually finish the, the word for you and it knows where it is. I so it's not to. exactly something that you have to type in every location. It, it actually has a built-in database that knows all of this stuff. So I thought that that was really interesting. I would like to have been on the meeting where they were deciding which places to include in yeah. that database. That would <laughs> be really that? interesting, you know. Because you know every one of their birth homes is in, is in there, right? You know, like that kind of thing. Favorite places they've been to, they're in there. Yeah. What about mine, you know? We'll see. Well, you can add them, Jen. Yeah, I, that's true. You can. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's another feature in there that maybe doesn't get as much, you know, isn't talked about as much, and that is the enhancements to photo editing in iPhoto. It, I don't know if anybody has ever gone into the edit mode and down into the adjust menu. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't believe what's in there. A lot of good stuff, and including now um, something that increases the clarity and the and the definition in photos. It's kind of like the clarity slider mm-hmm. in Lightroom or in Adobe Camera Raw. Mm-hmm. So that's down there in the iPhoto Adjust menu. Is that new? That's new. Oh. And then they've also improved the, the retouch tool in there so that you don't get blurry edges when you retouch near the edge of a photo. There's a, a kind of an edge detection in there. And a couple of other features like that that make it really a viable editing tool. Make wow. It do you, do you think that that's sort of going to be competition now for Photoshop Elements? I can't see how. I mean, there's no way to select anything, you know, in iPhoto. You've got no selection tools at all. So I always think of iPhoto as a photo editor and Elements or Photoshop as a pixel editor. You know, as long as you want to do the same thing globally across the photo, then, you know, that might be an option. That's but, a good point. Yeah, but you never know. I mean, they may come up with some kind of um, selective adjustments brush, like the new... The new brush in Camera Raw and in Lightroom, you know, you can now brush on adjustments, and in the background, it's doing all this, you know, masking and things. You never know. If iPhoto came up with something like that, then. And you've always been able to go right from iPhoto into another photo editor, like yeah, Photoshop cool. or Elements, by adjusting the preferences in iPhoto. Yeah, and that's a neat thing to do. Too. Yeah. So instead of double clicking to go in full screen mode, it launches the external editor, mm-hmm. which is nice. So, what do you think about the Facebook button, the Flickr button? Everybody going to use that? I think I will, as I because I, I travel a lot with my job, so it's it's fun to upload photos to Flickr. In fact, I do it from my iPhone all the time, and it you know it communicates to the spousal unit back home, you know where you are, what you're doing, who you're hanging out with, and it's it's a lot of fun. It's great for reunions too, because I don't know if you, you know you go to a reunion and afterwards somebody who's like in charge of the thing would take a bunch of pictures and they upload them to the website and two-thirds of the people are unnamed because yeah. just like, they don't know who they are, right? But maybe someone else does. It'd be really cool to just, group, you know, in mass be able to have people look at it and name the people. Yeah. I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Family reunions. I don't remember people's names. <laughs> <laughs> who is that? If you're spying on your kids, it's really good. That's good, too, right? And Facebook is so much fun. I'm connecting with so many people that have been out of my life and never, you know, like people from high school and jobs past I'm now reconnecting with. And it's such a neat social tool. It's a huge time suck, though. It's like this big vortex where you can get sucked into it and all of a sudden you spend an hour on Facebook. Yeah, um, but you can use it judiciously. mm -hmm. Sometimes I just send, like, one line and... I mean, I'm connected with somebody I haven't talked to in mm-hmm. a really long time. So I, I find it really convenient, yeah. too. I, I like the whole you know, 
Facebook iPhoto integration. Yeah. Can we talk about fonts a little bit, you think? Fonts? There's some interesting fonts down there. Yes. And, and in fact, there are a, a number of um, new new font managers on the floor some and also some upgrades to some font programs that we already know. Yes, Jay, some, please do. Just, it just caught my attention. Jay, Jay for, for the benefit of our readers and viewers, is definitely our font expert. Oh, dear. Uh, oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, I was just, it's not often that, you know, the three main players in the font management world all have major upgrades at the same time. And they did do that for Macworld. I don't know how that, I have to check the astrology on that to see <laughs> what, what lined up. What is the font? Uh, never mind. Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, so first of all, suitcase, you know, extensive suitcase Fusion 2 is now out. It's been out for a little bit, but not too long. A couple of months. A couple of months. But the one killer feature about it, you know, they all, what do they do? They manage fonts. Whoopee, you know, okay, good job. Auto-activate fonts new programs, you know, when you, that kind of Turn thing. Turn them on and off. Turn them on and off and make sets and drag them out for, you know, all that. But the thing about this is their floating preview that they have, where you type in, you're working on a headline or something like that, and uh, you type that into the program, and it show you that text in any combination of fonts that you've decided mm-hmm. to look at, right? That's not new. What is new is you can drag them off. Ooh. You can drag them off of the interface right on, to, and they float over every application that's open so that it doesn't matter what program you're working in. You can drag that preview right off and look at it on your page. Like, oh, what would that headline look like? Oh, not that one. Oh, and then cool. drag the, over, the other one on top. But you can have five, six, ten all floating around doing whatever you need. And then when you find one you actually like, you can uh, click on a button on the preview and it activates that font. Because these aren't even active fonts. These are just fonts in your collection. So you don't have to go activating all these fonts you think you might use, try them out, deactivate the ones you don't want, keep the ones, you know, all that. It's all, they, they thought it through pretty well, I thought. Mm-hmm. And as you, as you uh, go back to the interface, you can adjust the slider for the size in the interf- in, in suitcase, and, the, and, the, and the, all of the floating previews change size as well. It's a really, it's, it's nifty to see. Ooh, I have a question on the floating preview. Is it transparent? So... All it just lays on top of whatever else is in your yeah, background. Yeah, the the only thing, yeah, the only thing that you see is the type itself. Oh wow! Yeah, and there's a little title bar you can drag around, and it fades off <sighs> after you kind of let go of it. So it's really like setting the type in that font, but it, not exactly. It's a true floating preview, you know. That's very cool. kind of magic. You have to see it to to, to really get that it. That might make me switch from Font Agent Pro because I've been a huge Font Agent Pro fan for years. I love Font Agent Pro. It has a whole other, a whole bunch of other reasons to use it. That's mm-hmm. the funny thing about these things, you know, is they have their own little feature sets that hook you. Yeah. Well, now suitcase will it auto activate in Photoshop? Because for a while, their Font Engine Pro was the only one that did that. It still is. In, in, What's up in, with that? In terms of that, well, I, I, you know, I look. This is boring, not appropriate for the podcast, <laughs> but there's, there's a technological reason why mm-hmm. Adobe, when it makes its call to find out what the fonts are available for the program versus when the when the font manager can supply it and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, and and Extensus so decided Voodoo okay. and, and Extensus <laughs> decided not to go that route for their own um, technological reasons. You know, what are some other Font stuff. Oh yeah. So Font Explorer. Oh, the next one I guess is Font Explorer, right? So for the last several years, for the last several years, um, Linotype has had their free uh, font management oh, yeah. tool called Font Explorer, and I was wondering when the other shoe was going to drop on that, um, because yeah, you know they do make some money if you happen to click through and say, "Ooh, I like that font. I think I'll buy it from them." Mm-hmm. But you know that's not like a real cash cow kind of situation, you know, mostly. It's so almost accidental. It's almost, yeah, and I think they kind of figured that out. So what they do, they went ahead and uh, built a version called Font Explorer, what, X Pro or something like that. And That's right. Now they charge for it. And it's a lot like Font Agent, uh, Font Agent Pro or mm-hmm. Suitcase. 
it does the same kind of thing, but now you have to pay for it. And I'm not sure on the details beyond that. Right, right. Yeah. I'm not either. It's pretty, it's pretty normal, you know, whatever that is. And I'm, I'm not sure how they're going to find their market for that, to be honest. But Except it, for people who are going to upgrade like from they, the free one, you know. It seems like they they pretty much do the same thing the other font managers do. Right. That, that was the thing. So um, and it, there'd be no learning curve if you're already right. using Font Explorer, which was free. But there so would like, be also no compelling reason to switch from the one you're absolute, already using yeah. if indeed you're using one. Exactly. Yeah. And Drug addiction. Would there be one more out there that you've seen? I thought there was one more, but I can't call it to mind right now. Well, Fun Agent Pro did have an upgrade um, where they've they've turned it into more of an asset manager, a larger sort of asset manager, as I, as I recall. I'm a little fuzzy on the details, but um, we'll look at the, into that later today. All right. Anything else, guys, that you've seen on the floor? Um, I saw something neat. Have you seen the Jella skins? These oh. are these skins that you can put on your um, on your laptop or on your iPod or on your iPhone, and they now are removable, which is something I really like because once it gets on there, you know, change your mind. You want something else, right? And they're really they're nice. The artwork is really cool. You know, it's not like of course you're looking at the artwork. Of course. <laughs> There is one, actually, one more big thing I want to talk about that brings us back to the beginning, which when I was talking about how designers have to know everything to do everything, and, and we just can't, you mm-hmm. know. Um, Jack them all trained. Adobe's not here. You know, they don't have a booth. But Quark does. And the thing about Quark Express that I think no one I talk to knows about is the fact that you can, with the existing... The challenge again is you got to learn. If in Adobe products, you got to learn Dreamweaver, you got to learn Flash, you got to learn Illustrator, you got to learn Photoshop, and you got to learn InDesign to like do your job. But in Quark Express, they decided that well, hey, what if what if we could build in the basic tools for all that stuff into one program, and that's what they've done. And if you go down to the booth and see the the demos that they're doing, it's pretty amazing. The Flash animations. Imagine taking a layout you've already done for a print brochure or what have you, and say, I want to make this interactive now. Poof! It makes it interactive, makes all the objects on there ready to be animated any way you want to. And you can take an item and have it move across and flip and twirl and disappear when someone goes and clicks on the page. You can have a movie play within that picture. You can put other flash files in it. You know, basically build any kind of flash thing that you can pretty much imagine. So you're talking about Quark Interactive Designer right now. Exactly. They're calling it the interactive space, you know, interactive right. layout space. Yes, Quark they, Express. They actually merged it it's, now it's all, it's all one now. And it has a really smooth interface that way. I'm very, very, very impressed with what it does. And in the end, you've got a Swift file that you can put, you know, anywhere you can put you know, an, an exported flash file that way. I, I want to jump in here with one thing. Type DNA. That was the other font manager. Um, yeah, they, they've just come out. Um, actually, I think they're still in beta. They're just introducing on the floor today, just for the information of anybody who's interested in, in type managers. And they've got some really smart things that they're doing um, with this utility. It's going to be, I think, out in March. I'd have to look back in my notes on that. But I think it's coming out um, in its first version in March. And basically what the difference is is that it does a lot of type comparisons. And it'll show you body type and headline type and display type. It'll show you opposite type. It will show you different variations on a theme of type. You can al- you can also go online and actually buy type. It, it looks like a really interesting program in the making. So that would be um, type DNA. And um, just just sounds, for the folks out there, that sounds great. For, That's for it's brand new for exploring type and and and. You know, and for learning about it too, right? And and for and for comparing it, and for trying to judge what's going to look nice on on your document, um, not using 
too many typefaces that are different or of different varieties, or conversely, not using the same type all the time in, mm -hmm. in documents that you're creating if you have a creative publication where you want to sort of vary it and mix it up. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that, that looked really interesting to me, and, and they're um, in North Hall. Mm -hmm. So just in case that. anybody wants to go visit there. I just came off of that visit before I came here. I'm going there next. So Very cool. I want to actually change the subject a little bit and talk about online book services. I, I know a lot of you guys are interested in that. So can you tell me a little bit about what you think is going to be the evolution of online books and um, picture books and things like Lulu and um, Blurb and, and those kinds of things? Hmm. Well, it's, they're certainly a great uh, resource for those who want to publish, you know, a book when maybe, you know, it's, it's tough to get a, a print book published right now. The publishers divide on it because it's, you know, books aren't selling that great anymore. And so, but it's nice to have an outlet to publish your own and the whole buy on demand thing so you don't have to sink a ton of money into it. You know, you can wait. I, I can write a book, you know, the, the treat-based life or whatever it is, and I can publish it on Lulu. And then as I get orders for it, then the books are printed, you know, as they're ordered. So if you're a beginning author, you know, you don't have to spend all this money on having a warehouse full of books that you may or may not sell. So I like that aspect of it. Did you say the treat-based life? I did. I, I, I like Yeah, treat-based life. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, they're also really good for one-off books. Yeah. If you've got yeah. an album that you'd like to share with your family or um, you're a photographer and you want to just have a record of what you've done lately, um, they're great for that. And then they're also good for um, education. I have a lot of friends who teach photography and it's a great project at the end of the semester to say, you got to do a blurb book, or you have to do a Lulu book. And it gives the students something to take home and a way to mm -hmm. show their work. Something to hold in their hands. Well, it's been that way in music for a while now. You know, musicians can record a CD and hand it off to Amazon. When someone buys it, they press one and send it to them. You know, so there's no, you know, you don't have to put all that money up front to have it all mm -hmm. produced ahead of time. And CDs are actually cheaper than books to produce. So, you know, it's funny that happened first, but it was all digital to begin with. But with books... Obvious. You don't want to have a bunch of paper sitting around. Yeah. You've already put your sunk your money into, and no one's going to buy it. Mm -hmm. Has anybody here ever published one of those books? Have any direct experience with it? I haven't done it, but my roommate has a few. Um, he is a professor of photography, and he, he uses it, and they're well respected, you know, to show his work. Hmm. And one of the things that's happened lately is that the paper quality is improving, the binding is improving, so they really look nice. They don't just look like you know some kind of cheesy one-off thing you've done. Like the perforated home business cards. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we remember those. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's funny because I have a friend last week who, who emailed me because his friend had done a book in pages, you know, Apple's pages. Oh, yeah. And he'd done a nice book in it and the printer said, I can't take the PDF that you're giving me because the fonts aren't embedded. And, I mean, it's a technical deal. No, but, you know, there's one way to make a PDF where they are and one where they aren't. By default, they're not in, in pages, you know. I didn't have the heart to tell the guy. You could have, like, forgot all that stuff and just went ahead with, like, Lulu or somebody mm -hmm. and done it with their system, and then people could buy them as they wanted. Mm -hmm. so, he's probably listening now. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Greg, I love you, but, you know, next time. also really letting you customize now. It's not just a template where you feed your stuff in. Some of the programs are. iPhoto, for example, offers a number of templates, and... It's really easy, and that's more for the consumer market. You can just throw your photos into the template. But I know with Blurb, for example, that you get a lot of, you can make a lot of changes. You can move the photos around, you can resize them, you can add text of different fonts, um, and you can just make it your own. I like that. Yeah. Well, you have to, you know, it has to be that way for people. So, guys, wish list for next year. 
what, what are you guys looking forward to uh, for new programs, hardware, software coming up for, say, the next expo that we uh, attend next year? What would you like to see? Well, I want something that makes color management easier. I mean, I think what, that's Pantone big... isn't enough for you? No. <laughs> well, well, that's all spot color stuff, but, you know, if you want to maintain your CMYK or RGB colors all the way through, it is. It's a nightmare. It is a total nightmare. It is. I I gave up I color agree. managing anything. I got a totally. I, see, there you go. Exactly. I got all excited about the Color Monkey system, and, you know, the Pantone guys, you know, Good attempt. Yeah, they're pushing um, that. They're pushing it real hard, and they should because it does some really great stuff. Tell us about that a little bit. Okay, Color Monkey's a, a little um, puck-sized thing that is able to man is able to uh, measure color on uh, surfaces, on textures, paint, or textiles, paints, um, and your display and your printer too. So the idea is it can sample colors from anywhere, and then the software is fantastic for letting you accurately use those colors, mix them up, get, create color palettes, and you know all that good stuff. It's really really great. But I had a little issue with it actually um, uh, profiling my displays. I had a beautiful external display, and I have my MacBook Pro. And there's this issue around backlighting and how some displays are backlit with CR with um, LCD uh, lights. LED backlighting. And, uh, I'm sorry, LED backlighting, thank you. And the other is uh, fluorescent tubes, you know. And so it, it doesn't really know what to do with all of those different situations. And so, oh, my goodness. So I, uh, I profiled my external display, display and it looked great. And I put it on my MacBook Pro, and it was nasty, you know. And in addition to that, it automatically assigned that profile to my external display when I was done. So they were both completely wrong. And when I finally got it all straightened out by dealing with, yeah, by dealing with the display's preference pane, because I happen to know to go do that, they didn't match at all. So my, my internal display and my external display, which one's right? Which ones do you trust? You know, it's almost like politics, right? Anyway, uh, who do you trust? Because <laughs> they're all lying to you. Uh, so I didn't know what to Anyway, so it didn't really work out for me that way. I just, I'm just sticking with my external display as my main one because it looked the best. So like you said, I just don't trust it. Right. Sorry. Any other things you guys want to say? Hmm. I'm looking forward to Adobe adding some more uh, goodness to the new Adobe output module in Bridge. You know how they have offloaded uh, the, the web galleries and the, the creating the PDFs and all that good stuff. They've taken that all out of Photoshop and they put it in Bridge. But in it, it, the interface looks almost just like the same interface in Lightroom, the web module of Lightroom. But for some unknown that's an, reason, that's an old argument. Oh, for some unknown reason, you cannot save a preset. Like they give you all these wonderful sliders so you can customize your web gallery or customize your PDF that you're making to do contact sheets and. And all kinds of these wonderful things, but there's no way to save it. And Bridge does remember the the presets that you use or the settings that you use, rather, the next time you use it. But as soon as you go to another template, they're all gone. There's no way to save it, and it's it's just so unfortunate. So I'm really looking forward to Adobe putting some more work and more forethought into the new output module. I think it's fine that they took it out of Photoshop because. Bridge is so amazing, and it's gotten so much better in CS4. That new, you know, breadcrumbs path bar and the new review mode for photographers actually makes going through your images and adding star ratings and rejecting and all that kind of stuff tolerable. Because just like keywords, it does feel like a chore no matter what. <laughs> but you got to do it. And so I'm really enjoying Bridge, but I'm looking forward to uh, more things being added to Bridge and being able to use that a little bit more for creating web galleries and PDFs and stuff. You know, I really like Bridge too, Lisa, and I use it, but I'm a little afraid that having taken the web photo gallery out of Photoshop and put it into Bridge is going to freak out some people, because there are a lot of Photoshop users who I think never get to Bridge. Yeah. So, 
Anybody who's out there in Photoshop and you're looking for the web photo gallery, as Lisa said, you have to go to Bridge CS4 to find yeah. it now. And it's not even on the face of Bridge. You have to go to the special output mm-hmm. module, which is also a little difficult to find and grade. Yeah, there's two or three buttons up on the, the top interface of Bridge that you can use to get to it. But, yeah, they, they've, Adobe has done such a great job of making so many older tools discoverable in CS4 in the new interface. But there's definitely, you know, room for improvement still. But, you know, we were talking about uh, advances in, in digital art programs and things and talking about the graphics tablets and, and drawing and being more artistic. I love the new rotate canvas feature in Photoshop CS4. I mean anybody who's using a graphics tablet, holy cow, it doesn't rotate, you know, your your real document, your image, but just the view of it is rotated. So if you're using a graphics tablet, I mean who draws, you know, perfectly at a, a right angle straight? I mean it's so much Jay easier does. to turn. <laughs> I see. I, I use a T square on my Do graphics you? tablet. I know. I don't. Especially if you're left handed. I don't know if it's as good for right handers, oh. but it's great for left handers. Oh, yeah. Because you can never get in there. Yeah. And, and you're not just talking 90 degree. I mean, you're talking any angle. Any angle just you want. 37 yeah. degrees, whatever works for you. Yeah. 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 So I really like the new interface of Photoshop CS4. So it'll be interesting to see sure. what. But this, five and it, like. is, it is that discoverability thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I think we're really, I'm, I'm seeing a definite wave of that. We've got the features, you know, they're packed in there everywhere, and, you know, Quark Express and all the Creative Suite products, and it's like, how do you put them in front of people? And, right. and it's to their benefit to do it because that's a marketing advantage. It's like, oh, people see that you can do this. Oh, great, I will use that feature. Right, it becomes more obvious. Yeah, instead of, I don't even know it was there, you know, so it's good for everybody to do that. Oh, yeah, and, like, there, there are oodles and gobs of presets for adjustment layers, but nobody uses them because they were, you know, hard as heck to yeah. find. But now there's the new adjustments panel, and yeah, they're, they're like, glorious. oh, my gosh, look at all these presets. And some of them are really good. Really good. Really good. Yeah. So I like that. Anything else folks are looking forward to next year? Well, I have some wishes. Yes, <laughs> they may please. be hype dreams for their wishes. So it seems to me there's a this trend. is your forum. <laughs> good. I get this out. Seems to me there's a, a trend toward uh, what do they call them? Netbooks or the, the small laptops, the smaller laptops. And personally, I just love the big screen of the 17 inch. I use it. I'm a graphic artist. That's what I do. But I don't. I hate lugging the big heavy 17 inch around. So I'm praying and hoping and asking uh, that Apple comes up with something that allows the big screen but is lighter weight for us uh, smaller folks who have to, have to take it around with us. I don't know if it's possible, but it would be great. Oh, I know what I want. I want a MacBook Air that will run Photoshop CS4. <laughs> Fast. <laughs> okay. I want that darn Air so badly because it's just beautiful well, it's and it's light. light and it's sleek and sexy and curvaceous. But I just, it, it would... I'm afraid with CS4 it'd be like molasses. <laughs> Unfortunately, so I want him to figure out some way to boost the speed of that sucker. Photoshop also fills up the 64 gigabyte uh, SSD drive in there too, mm-hmm. so you got no room for documents. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> Oops, no, no scratches. <laughs> no room to work. Oops. Great for demos. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, guys, thank you so much for joining me for this Macworld podcast. Jan Kabili, Lisa Snyder-King, and Jane Nelson. Nice, Jackie. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Jackie. And I'm Jackie Dove, Senior Reviews Editor at Macworld, signing off. That concludes this special Macworld Expo episode of the Macworld podcast, sponsored by Macworld Superguides. What you need to know. We'll be offering additional Expo podcasts throughout the week. Thanks very much for listening.